This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, certainly many of you have noticed the increasing amount of tech in our vehicles over the last decade, and there's no doubt that this is a trend that is going to continue, but it begs the question, in this relationship, who is leading who? Is the auto industry leading tech or is tech leading the auto industry? John Paul McDuffie is a management professor at the Wharton School, focuses on vehicle and mobility innovation. He recently wrote an opinion piece for Forbes about this topic and joins us on the line with more. John Paul, great to talk to you again. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here. Thank you. I guess the assumption in general is that tech is going to be leading the auto sector because of how tech kind of leads our lives right now. But you say that's not necessarily the case here. Well, I think tech is the new force uh, making a lot of things in the mobility space move. And they're partly drawn to mobility because there's so much potential, so many exciting technical advances, and such a sense of a growth market. I mean, you've got uh, all kinds of tech companies seeing it as the next big growth market. So uh, I think the, you know, the new action and maybe the initial stimulus is the tech companies pushing into mobility and the automotive companies having to react, respond, et cetera. But what I question is the narrative that tech automatically dominates all of these interactions going forward. So you use a variety of examples in this piece, one of them being Apple and, and its interests that we are you know, hearing about, they're pretty well known at this point, uh, of having a car kind of in their own ecosystem. Yeah, and, you know, there have been rumors about it, but it does seem that Apple's moving forward. It's been sort of fits and starts, and Apple's very secretive, so we don't have a lot of information. There were these rumors in January that they were actually going to conclude an agreement with Hyundai and Kia to be their partner for manufacturing the Apple car or the iCar. Uh, when these rumors hit, Apple seemed so annoyed by them that they immediately cut off the talks. And whether that means they've cut off uh, any interaction with Hyundai and Kia forever or just cut off the, you know, the, 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 the talks for now is hard to say. But it's not a simple matter for Apple or any prospective partner to figure out how to work together. Apple's used to complete control, and they're used to a contract manufacturing model where they design in California and they build in China with Foxconn. And I don't think that model is going to replicate for the automotive space. What about Tesla in this mix? I mean, you know, Tesla is, as always, a fascinating company. And my main line on Tesla is that they have done the very hard and long work to become an automaker in their own right. And so, to me, Tesla partly proves the point that you have to master a lot of what the automotive companies have always mastered in order to be able to do it yourself, as they basically are doing now. I mean, Tesla keeps taking further steps towards vertical integration. They're even saying that with respect to battery cells, that they may want to uh, control that, even though Panasonic has been their big partner in the Gigafactory. So I just don't think there are very many tech companies that are prepared to do what Tesla did and do all the hard work of becoming their own automaker. And if they yeah. don't, I think they're going to have to work with existing automakers who bring that expertise. Right. And because when you think about the auto industry, I, I think, you know, I'm old enough. You, you think about uh, the production lines, you know, all the different plants 
that are in locations around the country. And while Tesla has done a pretty good job of of, uh, of kind of crossing that hurdle, uh, a lot of these other tech companies, it may not want to be, may not to be something that they would want to do. Well, I mean, it's it's a long and hard road. And, you know, we heard Elon Musk talking many times about manufacturing hell and saying there's nothing harder than, you know, uh, mass producing it at scale. We also know that it is still a, a very fiercely competitive industry with really fairly low margins. And these tech companies are used to much higher margins. I think the uncertainty about the long slog to master the capabilities and the low margins when you get there will make them decide not to do it themselves. John Paul McDuffie, uh, management professor at the Wharton School, joining us uh, on the show. So then what do you think those partnerships between tech and, and the automakers will look like in general in the future? Well, I mean, you know, each of these, uh, relationships are going to be complicated. I think, my, in, in a sense, my argument is that they need each other. It's not that they necessarily want to work together. The auto companies are not good at services. They're not good at uh, a lot of aspects of, of digital platform uh, strategy, which the tech companies excel at. And I think that's part of why people assume the tech companies have a big advantage here. So, you know, I think they'll each bring what they're good at and they'll struggle through to find a way um, to work together. You know, the model of a contract manufacturer is still alive. And in some people's minds, that that is exactly what the tech companies will want to do. Foxconn, you know, which which makes iPhones for Apple, is also seeing that it's not going to be the growth market of the future. So they're saying they're going to build cars and they already have a partnership with Geely, of China to uh, to do that, and uh, and we'll see where that goes. They also are saying they're going to build the uh, Fisker sports car, Fisker, uh, an early competitor of Tesla that that went through a couple bankruptcies and and is back. So, you know, uh, Foxconn may struggle through uh, the long the long hard work to become uh, auto manufacturer as they've been an electronics manufacturer. But I don't think it'll be easier quick. And I think if at the end of it, they would look more like an auto company than some brand new model of manufacturing. Um, you know, that that's one of the questions. Can you turn the automobile into something that can be manufactured uh, like a piece of electronic gear? And I, I think it's more than that. You mentioned, and I think it bears repeating, is the fact that, you know, the auto sector is not just something that, you can come in day one and and have a mastery of it. There are, you know, obviously in, in a lot of businesses, there are, you know, certain nuances that, that you have to, you know, have to kind of slog through in order to be able to get the, uh, get the formula right. Well, some of, the, some of it is the amazing complexity of designing the vehicle to meet all of the constraints and requirements, not just what customers want and need and, and making products that are both practical and exciting, but also meeting the various requirements of safety and quality and, you know, uh, emissions uh, standards and, and the like. And, you know, the automobile, again, very different from a lot of electronics gear. It's a, it's a heavy, fast-moving object that operates in public space and is dangerous. You know, it can kill people. It can, it can injure people. It can damage property. And 
so there's a set of these complex requirements and and you know society really not just in the US but around the world has given the auto companies the responsibility of meeting those safety and quality and now increasingly environmental uh, requirements and doing that is also a capability that's not learned overnight and frankly the auto companies probably aren't thrilled that they have all of those responsibilities along with all the legal liability but having learned to do it i think it perpetuates and maintains some of their value adding ability in this space it sounds like it's it's a case where the potential profit for a lot of these companies is a more attractive option or a you know a larger uh, you know potential than the potential downside would be well, you know, I, I think the, the, we all anticipate that there will be more services that uh, people in vehicles will consume as vehicles are more connected and as the various self-driving technologies become more advanced. So, you know, one of my thoughts about Apple and also uh, Waymo, Waymo is Google's uh, uh, autonomous vehicle arm, you know, Waymo is saying, we're not going to build cars. We're, we're building the software driver of the future, and we will work with any number of different auto manufacturers to put our system, our driver, inside their vehicles. I can see Apple deciding to back away from having its own iCar that it oversees the manufacturing of to become a competitor in that space because they would like to be the ones uh, with the, the driver brain in the vehicles of the future and then being able to connect passengers to all of the things in their ecosystem. So maybe we end up with a, a world like we have with phones. We've got iOS and Android competing. Maybe Google and Apple will compete for the vehicle uh, OS of the future. So it, it, could we see kind of a formula develop here where, you know, Apple may go down path A with company X towards getting the vehicle that they want to have on the on the road. But at some point, they may have to go with company Y to be able to kind of adjust that path at some point. I mean, it's certainly possible. And, you know, the more that they're providing the software for a vehicle, the more they would be able to potentially pivot and do that with a different manufacturer. But if they do engage a big automaker in actually designing a physical vehicle, that's a very tough thing to pull away from and restart. It's not impossible. It'll cost money. They've got money, uh, and it may just uh, just stretch it out. I, I know that having a, a, a car as part of the Apple uh, portfolio was a dream of Steve Jobs and, uh, and Joni Ives, who was the head of design for many years, even more of a car buff. So these are dreams that go deep into Apple's DNA, uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't uh, be pragmatic about some of these barriers as they encounter them going forward. What's your expectation then? How do you think this this will all play out? Obviously, still a lot of this is is to be determined. But uh, you, you have, to me, as you have said this, you know there are obviously some some hills that have to be crossed. But it seems like the level of optimism is still very much there moving forward. Sure, and, and I don't mean this to be a pessimistic message at all. Um, you know, another technology that's probably gotten even more attention in, in recent months is electric vehicles. And we have these big uh, commitments by General Motors and Volkswagen and others to really, you know, turn their fleets completely by 
the mid 2030s and to do the other things that go along with that, you know, a, a battery supply chain, investing in charging infrastructure, really convincing customers that they can and should and, and will be delighted if they make that uh, electric vehicle transition. And, and it's interesting to see the stock market valuations of, of GM and Volkswagen, just to name those two, really picking up considerably after a long period where we just saw Tesla go up, up, and up, and even any new electric vehicle startup. And the, the traditional automakers, you know, staying very low down. I mean, Tesla is still, uh, the market is still valuing Tesla as worth more than virtually all other automakers combined. But, um, you know, but although that Tesla price is starting to uh, adjust downward, um, you know, we're going to see all of these technologies going forward, electric combined with autonomous, combined with connectivity, uh, I don't think, uh, you know, there seems to be a little realism about how fast we get to fully self-driving vehicles, that it's not going to be yeah. by 2020, which is what was being predicted five years ago, uh, but but further off into the future. So imagine a sort of incrementally, maybe fast, but incrementally adding a lot of these technologies to these complex vehicles. I think the automakers with tech partners are going to still be probably the best uh, suited to to driving that. So it may be a question competitively of which combination of a tech company and an auto company kind of jumps out into the lead. You know, it's interesting with all of the issues that, that big tech have has had and may have this year on Capitol Hill, this sounds like it could be one of the areas where maybe not as much they have to, uh, you know, think about where their their future path is. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some of the privacy concerns uh, that the the big tech companies are facing some challenges on now, those are certainly applied to the, the vehicle world. Uh, there's worry about, uh, you know, cyber hacking of vehicles, uh, which, again, could be uh, very, very dangerous. Uh, there's concern about, uh, you know, personal data being available about where people move and what they're doing. Uh, so uh, we already give away a lot of that <laughs> information to the tech companies, and maybe we'll continue to do it. We, we sort of do it when we take our phone in the car now. Uh, yeah. But if the level of uh, services ramps up and is increasingly activated from, from the vehicle and more is being revealed about individuals, that's, uh, that's definitely going to trigger some of those same privacy concerns. John Paul, great piece that you uh, put in Forbes. Uh, thank you for your time. and look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks. I always enjoy talking, Dan. Thank you. John Paul McDuffie, uh, management professor at the Wharton School, and as we mentioned, uh, recently done uh, did an opinion piece on uh, in Forbes uh, about who is leading who in, the, uh, in this uh, movement forward. Is it the auto industry or is it the tech sector? To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.